Welcome to the official podcast of Comics Beer and Sci-Fi. Brought to you by Crystal Bright Janitorial, The Brand Barbershop, Greco Printing and Imaging, and Able Ideas. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow Comics Beer and Sci-Fi on all your favorite social media apps. Now, on with the show! Oh, Alez, hi. I'm Michael Berryman, and why are you, how come you're not here? You should come here to this Astronomicon. It's, look at all the people, we're having fun. It's a weekend, it's snowing outside. We act like children, we're kids. I want to buy a comic book. So my mom threw mine away when I went to college. Moms, stop doing that. That's all I got. God bless, be safe. Mike, another Astronomicon. Uh, describe the atmosphere. What's happening here this weekend? Uh, we have a lot of things going on. The clerks are here. Jay Muse is here. Joey Lauren Adams is here. Um, the fans are here. The snow is here. It wouldn't be Astronomicon without weather. Um, but again, we all made it here. Um, it's Saturday. We're having a good time. It's The doors have been open like an hour and it's already packed. Uh, can't wait to see how the rest of the day goes. Um, thank everybody for coming and we'll see you next year. Can you give me the history of this event in a nutshell? Uh, this is our sixth year. We started in Sterling Heights in 18. We've grown every year. Um, we've been through three, three venues, um, pop culture, horror, wrestling. We do it all. Uh, this is a fan convention for fans by fans. And, um, you know, we look forward to seeing everybody. The guest list seems to get better every year. Talk about how this event has evolved and what's your focus as you go on. Um, well, we do wrestling, we do horror, we do pop culture, the three main genres that we do. The first year was all our friends from the industry that we took a chance on us. Um, as we had proof of concept, we have gotten bigger and kind of had our little goals in mind and, and that's where our guest list comes into play. Well, first of all, what do you get out of coming to these events, meeting your fans face-to-face? Uh, -face? What do you enjoy about it? Um, what I get about coming to these things is the fact that I'm a fan of the other, the other guests who are here. Uh, you know, people who uh, I love seeing again and again. Uh, you know, Joey Lauren Adams is here. I got to hang out with him. Ming is, is always at these things, so it's always fun hanging with him and finding some weird dive bar somewhere in some back town of some alley. Uh, and then, you know, you have other great peoples like Behrman and, and other people here who are just I'm fans of. Plus the vendors and these artisans. Every area has these local artisans that make things that are really, really cool. There's some guys here that sell some really unique one-of-a-kind kind of toys that are really fun to look at. But then meeting the fans, especially now that Clerks 3 has been released and a lot of the fan base has now seen it, they're coming uh, to, uh, to tell us how they enjoyed the film or not enjoyed the film. Either way, I'm ready for it. Uh, we just tell them strictly, eh, no refunds, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, but otherwise, it's a lot of fun. Plus, I get to hang out with my, my, with my friends, Jeff Anderson, Jason Muse, and Austin and Trevor and, and Kevin's uh, daughter uh, Harley Quinn. Uh, so it's a lot of fun when we have a good, sorry, you know, a large group of us here at once. Now, watching Clerks Three, I jokingly refer it to uh, refer to it as Kevin Smith's Fablements. It kind of tells the story of Clerks. What was it like reliving that and 
Here we are 30 years later still talking about Clerks and more than a half dozen movies since then. Uh, what was it like being on set and reliving that? Um, well, here it was with Clerks 3, you know, reliving and remaking so somewhat of uh, the original film. Uh, first off, I was like, wow, we can dupe an audience into paying twice for seeing almost the same <laughs> film again? That's quite clever, Kevin. Uh, but yes, yeah, so along the same lines of uh, Kevin telling his story about the making of kind of a thing, uh, it was great. Uh, it was a really weird kind of time machine moment for us being back at that original store, which hasn't really changed at all. Uh, we joked about it that, it, you know, Kevin said it was like frozen in amber, you know, from the Jurassic period. Uh, but that's another, that's its own landmark in itself. And Jeff has said this before, that it, the store itself is its own character. So uh, as we were able to go back and, and, and literally close it down for two weeks while we filmed, they literally built a smaller version at their back dock. They had the production company build them like a big, enclosed, smaller version of the quick stop. And uh, where you could get cigarettes, your lottery tickets, and stuff like that. They'd be like, well, the store, main store is closed, but if you want to go back to the, down the street to the loading dock area, there is, you know, someone with a register operating the store, which was really funny. It was, we should have did something with that, to be honest yeah. with you. But it's been nice to, uh, to go back and, and relive the, the start of all of our careers, pretty much, in, in the film industry was that first movie. Uh, and it brought a lot of great memories for us. That's awesome. Now, I mentioned to you yesterday... I'm sitting there watching you act in Clerks 3. I'm like, I didn't come here to cry. Mm. I, I came here to laugh. When you got the script and, and you're like, okay, this is the direction, and I don't want to spoil anything, right. but where did this come from? Where did this performance come from? Uh, when the, the script uh, got to us, this version of the script, there was an earlier version about nine years ago, which was even a darker uh, version of, of a script from, from Kevin, which was a totally made-up story uh, that he just put this world in. Um, and then when the rewrite happened, when we said we're not going to do that one, we wanted, and he came back with us about four years ago, four or five years ago, with this, this newer version, the version that you now see, um, it was very moving, it was very touching, it was you know, it, it drew from Kevin's own experience, his own experience uh, tackling uh, with a heart attack and, and dealing with the repercussions afterwards and the repercussions it, it affected with her family and his friends and stuff like that. So the emotion was there, it was into the script. So to give the, res the, the script the proper respect uh, and the proper performance, um, you know, you got to up your game somewhat. Uh, and so um, it took me 30 years, but uh, <laughs> we got there to get a performance that really evoked emotions out of the fan base that really has stuck with them. That's awesome. Now, what's next for you? I read that uh, you've been doing theater lately, so is that what keeps you busy? What's what's next on the horizon for you? I, I've always done, I mean, that's 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 the start of it, of it all, is when I did uh, a lot of live theater. I haven't done a live play since lockdown, so uh, uh, a director friend of mine, a producer friend of mine, um, and this uh, the production company, this theater production company, are looking to do uh, a production. We're still bandying about uh, what the dates are, and we don't want to announce the production yet, but I'll probably be doing a play this summer, um, which I always enjoy, that live interaction while doing a performance. The, there's something about that that is always the core of, of an actor in me. I love performing in front of a live audience as opposed to film, where it's chopped. It's usually out of sync. Uh, it's not. You don't shoot the whole film in the linear timeline. Uh, but this, so obviously, a play, you take it from beginning to end, and you have to know the entire script. There's no stop, cut, let me do it again in live theater. So hopefully I'll be getting back to that this summer. Um, and then there's uh, two other films of other independent filmmakers I'm talking to about shooting two, two films this summer. So.
Jeff. Yes, sir. 30 years after you had this debate about independent contractors building the Death Star, here we are talking about it. Did you envision that when you were shooting this film? Yes, I did. When we were shooting this movie, we always knew it was going to be the biggest movie ever. Hell no. None of us ever thought we would even see it. Like, um, Clerks was done at the time where you would actually edit movies, you know, film. You would cut and splice the film. And I remember walking into the video store where Kevin was working, I think they call it a Steambeck or Steambox, something like that. And he had so many pieces of film all over the place. I was like, you're never going to get this movie done. You're never going to get it put together. This looks totally confusing. So I didn't think we would see it, much less everybody else. Yeah. Now, when you come to these events, what's it like having these people come up and interact? I mean, there's some interesting characters walking around. What's the, the experience yeah. like for you? It's always fun. You know, I, for like 15 years, they were trying to get me to do these cons, and I didn't want to do them because I, I just didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I don't know the cause play world very good and I was a little leery about doing it but I gotta tell you coming out and meeting people is just the best part of the job I mean it's um, to meet military people and you know people who've been in hard times in their life and say the movies helped them through it it's it's the most it's really it makes you feel good like I fly home on the plane and I'm like what just happened this weekend a bunch of people said very nice things to me and I just signed autographs it's very strange very strange clerks three little angry because I didn't expect to cry watching this movie. What was that experience like? I told Brian, Clerks 3 felt like Kevin Smith's Fablemans that kind of talked about the origin of his career. Right. What was it like reliving filming Clerks and, and the serious tones of Clerks 3? Yeah, you know, uh, before we actually shot Clerks 3, there was a different script that Kevin had written for Clerks 3. And uh, when he wrote the original script, it was a completely made-up story. So it didn't, it didn't sort of resonate. It didn't feel like it belonged in the Clerks world. Like, you know, Clerks 1 was a piece of Kevin's life. Clerks 2 was another piece of Kevin's life about being in your 30s and sort of being directionless. And that original one that he did didn't quite feel right. So when he rewrote it and he wrote the, the, the version that we've all now seen, that was, again, a little more personal. And I think that's what resonates. Like, uh, it, it tied in a little better. It was bittersweet reading it because you knew it was finally the end. Uh, but I think it, I think it worked out and went like the way we it should have gone down. It was sort of a nice send off. Uh, it was weird before it came out because you weren't sure how the fans were going to feel. Uh, but I've done a bunch of these shows now since it's come out, and everybody seems to feel like it was sort of the right send off for these characters. So. Is it the end? What's next for you? Uh -huh. You know, I've pitched the idea of doing Clerks 4. It usually takes me a long time to sign up for these movies, but I told Kevin if he does Clerks 4, where Randall buries Dante in the Pet Cemetery, I would totally do it. I would love to see it. And everybody I pitched that idea to says, I would see that. We just keep them in the cooler back there and we march them out. I would totally do that movie. I'd sign up for it today. <laughs>
and I stayed after and they say, hey, can you do a couple rehearsals with us? Walk across the stage, go kill that guy. I said, no problem. Okay, pretend you're drunk and go across the room. And I did these things and they said, are you busy the next two weeks? I said, no. Said, can you play a clown uh, every day for the next two weeks? I said, sure. And that was it. And that was whatever it was, 1987. And I just got out of college. I was on the basketball team, so I was in really good shape. And then 30 years later, or 37 years later, here we are, and I'm signing autographs for something that I just showed up to be in. And it's, ama it's an amazing, uh, it's a blessed life, man. It's just, this is a trip. This is a real trip. Yeah, this is a that was a really cool movie. I really enjoyed it when I first saw it, like, like 1990, you know? Yeah. It, but I always wondered, like, what was it like being in those costumes for all that extended amount of time? Is, was it exhausting? It was very hot, sweaty, claustrophobic. Uh, they actually glue the back of the mask. They would glue this shut with airplane glue, and there's no getting out. I mean, the way to get out, they had to use a razor blade and cut the seam at the end of the chute. So, you know, you had to really be zen about it and just not care and just go with the flow and uh, until the shoot was over and then they would cut you out. If you started freaking out, um, it, would be, it would be devastating because they'd have to cut you out and they have to put you back in it. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. I, I actually probably would be more nervous about it now than I was then because I was young and and eager and didn't care but now if, if I probably just doing the photo shoot today is you know after about 20 minutes I start to have trouble breathing so what was your impression when you first saw the movie I thought it was unbelievable I was like wow you know actually I knew it was gonna be a good movie because when we were doing the scenes I was like these guys are so creative and the sets were amazing it was very low budget but very very highly executed and I just thought, man, there's, there's no way this thing can fail. It's too weird, it's too cool, and it's too creative to, to not make it. And then, you know, now that it's blown up, um, it kind of makes sense. Do you ever keep in contact with the other actors who played the other clowns? Oh, yeah. We're like a little family now. We actually go around to conventions all over the country with the Kyoto Brothers, and we do these uh, conventions, and... We go out to dinner together, and we get to know each other over the years, and it's, it's pretty cool. I just hope they do Killer Clowns 2, and I hope that uh, Mike and I can be part of it, because I, I, this, is, this is just a dream come true. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I mean, that's been over 30 years. Yeah, that's what happens when you sign away your intellectual property when you're young and dumb, and you, and you don't think about the future like that. I know they had to make the deal, but that's what hurt them, is that MGM had the rights. And they wouldn't let them do it again for unless they paid a huge licensing fee. Now, do you dress up in the costume anymore? Yeah, we're going to wear the costume in 10 minutes. In fact, if you follow us around, uh, we're actually going to walk the convention floor pretty soon in costume. And then we do the photo shoot. So what have you been doing since uh, Killer Clowns? Since Killer Clowns, I'm building this crazy museum in uh, Douglas, Arizona, which is Art Car World. And the same car that I had at my audition for Killer Clowns, I still have it. It's in this museum. The weirdest thing is that when I showed up in the movie, later in the movie, there is an art car. And I was like, no way. You know, back in 1987, there weren't that many art cars, but they had an art car in the movie. It was just, it was meant to be. This whole thing was really weirdly meant to be. But I'm a filmmaker, I'm a documentary filmmaker. I've been doing Burning Man 
and um, art car stuff ever since. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, well, it was a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, this is Mark at the Astronomicon 6 with Herod Blank. Right on, you guys rule. Hey, this is Mark at Astronomicon 2023. I'm here with Sean. He's with Synapse Films. And, uh, and tell us a little bit about some of the latest releases you guys coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, we've got uh, Black Circle, which we just announced yesterday for uh, our future release. We brought it to this show. It's uh, Christina Lindbergh, horror film from 2018, uh, Swedish film. Uh, we've got Invaluable, which is a 2014 uh, Evil Dead slash Tom Sullivan effects wizard uh, guy who did the uh, the film. So we've got a doc on that. Got some future ones coming that we can't speak about completely, but we've got some we've announced. Blue Sunshine's coming. Yeah, you have some really hard to find stuff here. A lot of the Italian splatter stuff. Tell me, and I noticed there's some varied pricing on some of these because like, some of them are kind of rare. Yeah, well, so, uh, limited editions, uh, soundtrack scores included, uh, loaded editions, special art, collectible, but the restorations is what it's all about. So at the end of the day, Don does all the restoring and goes from the source, whatever the best version of the source is, and if the source warrants it, then he'll put that out, and yeah, we get a kick-ass home video release of movies that some were thought to have been either non-existent anymore or lost or or just not treated with the love they deserve and finally they're getting the love tell us a little bit about the importance of hard media compared to all these streaming platforms now putting up all these movies and then taking them down after yes. a month yeah i'm not a fan of that i will stream but it's kind of to get a taste for something new or something i've not seen but Physical media, all the way, man. I, I'm old school. I was born in 75. I grew up buying VHS, DVD, laser, blue, now 4K. So that, if you want the best of the best, that's the way to go. Physical media all the way, brother. Well, thanks, Sean. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Yep. And if you guys are interested in hard media, especially the horror titles, yep. they've got a, a, we a got slew. Westerns, we got comedy, action, you name it, everything. So tell me, Sean, how did you guys get started doing these type of uh, films? So uh, years ago, Don met Jerry through Fangoria magazine, and they became friends. Don used to work for Elite Entertainment and restored some big movies, Chainsaw, Nightmare on Elm Street for Laser, and then DVD. And then he wanted to go out on his own, and him and Jerry decided, okay, we're going to start Synapse Films. That was in 96, 97, and they've been going strong since. So we're the longest standing boutique label next to Criterion Collection. That's pretty pretty big feat for this, you know, that was 1996, 97. This is 2023. That's pretty awesome. So, And again, you have got a bunch of great titles. And again, thanks a lot for talking to oh, us. Oh, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode of the Comics, Beer, and Sci-Fi Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.